Blog Talk Radio. This is Port of Harlem Talk Radio, and I'm your host for this show and also publisher of Port of Harlem Magazine at portofharlem.net. If you are listening via the Internet, you can type your questions in the comment box. You can also call and listen by dialing on your phone, 516-531. Press 1, and please be in a quiet place. You can visit portofharlem.net and click POH Talk Radio from the menu to hear this and past episodes. We are also available on about seven podcast platforms, but not Spotify at this time. And lastly, We Talk Productions sponsors Port of Harlem Talk Radio. Our guest is Dr. Lopez Matthews, Jr. He's a digital production librarian at Howard University Libraries and the Moreland Spengarn Research Center. We're going to talk about the rapid changes in storage devices from stone, paper, punch cards, microfiche, floppy drive, CD-ROM, CDRW, zip, and cloud, and how those rapid changes affect Saving Everyday and Archival Documents. Welcome, Dr. Lopez, Dr. Matthews. Hi, Wayne. How are you? <laughs> I knew I was going to make that mistake at some point, but that's okay. You know, you I've, had, I've had it happen. I've had it happen my whole life, so I'm used to it. <laughs> <laughs> I just roll it's, with the punches. It's archived in your head. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Lopez, a major thrust of your work is to preserve what is archived at Moreland Spingarn and Howard University's libraries. And I assume you don't have records preserved in stone, like Egyptian tablets. <laughs> but what are some of your challenges, challenges with working with records on or in the earlier storage media, such as floppy drives and CD-ROMs? Uh, well, I will say one of the things that uh, one of the biggest challenges is that a lot of this stuff has become inaccessible. Like if you get a new computer, they don't have drives for floppy disks. Uh, they don't have CD-ROM drives. We don't know that most CD-ROMs are only good for 10 years. And so after 10 years, it's hard to get the data off of CD-ROMs. And so that's kind of the biggest challenge is finding ways to act, first access the material and then get the material off of that antiquated storage medium. Oh, that's interesting because I didn't know CD-ROMs only lasted for about 10 years because I have some now that are probably a little bit older than that. And so far, I haven't run into that problem. But then again, I haven't tried in a couple of years because I haven't had a CD-ROM drive. <laughs> you know, I have CD-ROM. Oh. Yeah, I, I, yeah I, don't, I don't have a drive anymore. House. You do? <laughs> I do. You I have CD-ROMs here at the house that I burned. And oh, I okay. look at them and they're all blank. A whole, back, a whole drawer of CD-ROMs that are blank. That I burned when I, back in 2006, 2007, 2008, they're gone. Oh, the okay. Just for, just 
Yeah, I just want to clarify that for those who might not understand the tech language or they might find it technical. You burn them mean that you've put data on them, and now you can't get the data off because they're no longer the data is no longer there. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, the data is no longer there. Well, you know, I've learned something already in the first four minutes of our conversation because I did not know that, and I was not aware of that, but I think I need to go and investigate that because I do have some – that are probably getting toward that age, and I need to do something about that. Um, in fact, when you mentioned that, uh, it made me remember uh, the time that um, C.R. Gibbs, who I'm sure you probably know the historian, who probably done research at your place. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Uh, great, great guy. Yeah. Usually I call him for advice, but I was humbled one time when he called me and told me that um, his uh, laptop was out. And he said, well, what what do you think I should do? And he told me that it was 12 years old. I said, well, first of all, your laptop that old, you probably should get a new one anyway. And (laughs) he said, well, all my stuff is on it. And I said, well, you know, the new ones are have all these things on it, and they don't have a CD-ROM drive. And he's like, oh, but all my stuff is on (laughs) 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 CD-ROM. And that's the problem. You put your stuff on these drives, and you think that they – Will be around forever, and they really won't be. Yeah, and so yeah. that's you know that's really what you know I focus on. You know, really trying to keep my eye on what's happening and get the stuff that's on this old, um, you know, on this old media off of it and onto a more um, salvageable storage area. So basically off of the old disks onto new disks into the cloud onto hard drives. I am a fan of hard drives. <laughs> I know everyone's a big fan of the cloud but and I do see the purpose of the cloud, but I'm a fan of backups on hard drives, plural. Yeah, yeah one of my nephews is too. I mean, he has a, a hard drive in their house and I was trying to pick his brain on why he does it and um, he's well. He likes the idea of just doing it. Not he says it's not a necessity. It's more about his interest. But I have to tell him now it's probably good <laughs> out of necessity as well. But I remember when I first started uh, taking researching issues seriously, and I had to learn how to use the microfiche machines. So that might have been maybe twenty, thirty years ago. I suspect at the Library of Congress. Mm-hmm. Are those machines still available? Um, at the library, at your of place, Congress, they are. What? Um, what you, we do still you? have. We do still have a microfilm machine. Um, not. We have a microfilm machine on a computer. Um, we do, but you know, microfilm gets old. No, that was microfilm. It was like. It was like. It was like. It looked like a. If I can recall, the microfilm looked like film. But the microfiche yeah. looked like uh, almost like floppies, but it had data on it. You know, I haven't seen anyone access a microfiche. Okay. You know, see, I'm on, I'm even thinking microfilm and not thinking about microfiche because you know these well, things just kind of go like um, I just copied some information off of a. Zip drive. Mm-hmm. 
No, I hadn't used a zip drive in years. Now you're going to break my heart, but go ahead. We'll talk, well, I, I'll talk about story later, but go ahead. <laughs> and so I said, oh, a zip drive. So I found the older external zip drive, connected it to the computer. Thankfully, it still worked. Because, mm-hmm. you know, even the older drives that you connect to computers will stop working after a while because they won't have the drivers anymore. So thankfully, it's still connect computer, and I could get the information off of that drive and get it onto a more updated drive. But I thought, wow, I haven't seen a zip drive in maybe 10 years before I thought yeah. of yeah, before I get on the zip drive in particular, let me go back to the microfiche. So you don't remember microfiche as much, I guess, but microfilm, you said you all do have one, or you, you think they still have the Library of Congress. But my big question is, when those things break, have you or have you experienced one of them breaking and having to find someone to fix it? Um. I think instead of finding someone to fix it, we just find a company that can convert it to another format. That's the easiest, simplest way to do it instead of going on like a wild goose chase to find someone who has the miracle way to fix something that we're not even going to use anymore. Yeah, I suspect the parts are probably not even available. Yeah, a lot of the stuff, the parts aren't available, you know. And I'm sure you don't remember punch cards then, because punch cards came about, because <laughs> I know you're slightly younger than I, but I remember punch cards. <laughs> punch, punch, punch cards was something that was going out, I believe, uh, as I was beginning to learn about data storage. Well, at least we were, it was like one of those things where when the, um, I remember when the uh, calculator started coming out, we still had to learn how to use the slide rule. And that's how I think of punch cards, that computers are starting to come out. Or they may may or may not have, but one of the things we had to understand or to learn about were punch cards, which I thought was like, why do we want to know this? But some people still had used them at that point. So do you remember punch cards at all? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I think they might be before my time. Okay, and then and, and when your time came along, no one made you look at them. They didn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> they they moved right along. So you tell me now, CD ROMs. <laughs> now you're telling me now that CD ROMs pretty pretty much could be dead after ten years. So I'm sure the floppy drives are probably really dead now. You know. I'm sure they probably are, but you might be able to get something off of them. You never, you know, you never know. I put okay. in a uh, three and a half inch floppy disk, mm-hmm. and it worked. And I copied the stuff right off. Yeah, it did. It did. So okay, you know, I was happy to hear that. So you know, it's just a matter of. And one of the things that I hope people take from this conversation is that they really need to pay attention to changing computers, changing um, technology. Because technology changes fast, and you want to be able to access your material forever. And so you just have to pay attention. Like you start to notice CD-ROMs are no longer on computers anymore. 
What does right. that mean for your CD-ROM job? That means you need to get your stuff off of CD-ROM because you will you will lose access to it. You know, you need to watch the file format that you save your files in because you may lose access to them. For example, many people used WordPerfect before Microsoft Word became popular. All of a sudden, Microsoft Word becomes popular. WordPerfect disappears. All of a sudden, you can't access things saved in WordPerfect. Right, unless you put now, in RTF. Yeah, unless you put in RTF, I think. Yeah. I don't know, but, and I don't know if RTF still exists. It does. It does. Okay. And it's um, not tied to any particular proprietary program, which is great. That's actually a better format to save it in. But if it's been saved in the word perfect format, you couldn't open it for a long time. Now, uh, Microsoft did create a uh, patch or a plugin that you can put into Microsoft Word to allow you to then open WordPerfect files again. So it's like, oh, now these files are back. But there's no guarantee that, um, you know, a company will do that. Right. I even had cases where some programs no longer worked. I mean, when we put Porter Harlem together, uh, we 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 put the put the website together ourselves, and uh, and so there's some. Oftentimes, it's more than just one software package we have to use. And uh, for the longest, I tried to change a portion of it, and I couldn't. And I kept sending uh, an email message to the um, software developers. And they never answered back. And eventually I gave up and realized that they had, must have gone out of business because there was I couldn't even buy it, couldn't respond. They didn't respond. And it's one of those cases where you said, you know, you always have to have uh, a backup plan because things uh, either go out of business or they lo- they are no longer relevant. Not longer relevant, but they're no longer um, current. Mm. Um, so even with software, I've had experiences with that. And that's one of the things about putting yeah. a magazine, magazine together uh, is that we're very dependent, as people may know or may not know, on people like yourself. Uh, because mm-hmm. all the times we have to um, get images and mm-hmm. uh, call, uh, we call sometimes to the library or to more of the guard to, uh, to, do, uh, to make sure that our history facts are correct. So I know of late, for instance, I did have to uh, just to acknowledge to our to our to our listeners that we're putting together a an exhibit for a museum in the Gambia, and we needed an image. I forgot which one, and I called you up, and you were able to get it to me. I won't say in seconds, but it seemed like seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so as an archivist and a librarian, it means you have to really know a lot and and know where things are. Yes. And, you know, you learn it, um, you know, you learn it as you go along. You know, you um, pull this for that, you pull this for that, and then you say, oh, okay, well, this is where that is. This is where this is, you know. Um, so it becomes, it becomes more than that. Yeah, it becomes, just, it becomes more than like, I know where it is. So it's more than the stereotypical look of the person who tells you to be quiet in the library. (laughs) (laughs) Very much so, because, you know, I love, one of the things I love about 
archives is just how much history is there, things that you don't even know are there. You go through them and you find these amazing things. Like just uh, just today, just before I got on this call, I saw that the New York State Archives had um, – they finally processed court records from the 1830s, and they found documents showing that Sojourner Truth fought through the court system to get her son released from slavery. Oh, really? Yeah, and we had no idea until those records were processed. And now we know. And they just announced that. I just saw that today, that that was a recent discovery. Well, I have to go look that up. And I'm glad you shared that. Well, I'll tell you, I heard that you just, heard. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying that, you know, it's just amazing that, um, you know, I think it's just amazing the things you can find in archives. And I think that through digitization, it can be both preserved and made accessible. Now, digitization isn't the end-all, be-all, you know. Um, And And why do you say that? Because some things can't be digitized because it's too fragile because digitization is very can be very destructive to the original document. And so, you know, that's one of the first things that you have to keep in mind when you say, let me digitize this. Will you destroy it to digitize it? You okay. Know? I guess something that's like 100 have, years old. You mean like a sheet of paper yeah. that's 100 years old? <laughs> let me say, even a sheet of paper that's 40 years old. Okay. Because sometimes people use cheap paper or the binding is very poor or, you know, like the, um, and you have to forgive me, I'm having, I caught COVID a few weeks ago and now I've had this kind of brain fog happening. So it takes me a minute to recall stuff. But the okay. Emancipation Proclamation, yes, the Emancipation Proclamation is printed on very poor paper. It's very cheap paper, and so it's disintegrating, and so they have to be very careful in dealing with it. And so, you know, a lot of digitization is, you know, on a case-by-case basis because you have to – I'm a fan of preserving the original document. I'm never a fan of, okay, you can destroy the original to digitize it. Like, absolutely <laughs> And so, you know, I'm a fan of, okay, well, let's – Leave it where it is for now, and then we'll see in a few years if maybe, okay, now we can digitize it, you know. And so uh, I am a fan of the original document, even though I am a (laughs) – I built the digital program at Howard to digitize the records. I hear you. I'm a fan of, um, (laughs) you know, I am a fan of – yeah, so I know your interest are broad. Yeah, in fact, I heard you once, I believe, uh, talking with the Association for the Study of African American Life and History. Yeah, I think it was a conference. Mm. And there you were speaking of the rapid changes in storage media and the cost and time involved to change from one system to the next. And it provoked me to think about the changes we have gone through, meaning Port of Harlem Magazine, when we're in print, uh-huh. through the 36 years of saving and producing documents and images for Port of Harlem. 
and I, this is going back oh. to the zip drive. This is going back to the zip drive. I thought then, um, back when the zip drive came out, I think it was like in 19, I can't remember the year now, maybe probably like 1990 something. When the zip drive came oh. out, I thought the world would stop then and that that would be it, <laughs> at least for a while. Yeah. So that's when I would say that, yeah, you broke my heart on that one because we invested a lot of money in uh, the machine, the zip drive machine itself, and yeah. then the zip drive disk. Mm. So how are archives and libraries funding these rapid needs to change? Hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't say you all don't. <laughs> no, you get grants. And sometimes you do fundraising. I'm a fan of fundraising because I think with fundraising you can focus on your priorities. Sometimes with grants you have to do different things for the grant money. But I think fundraising is pure support. Um, not saying, you know, I don't think you should get grants because grants are essential to getting work done. But, you know, I do, I am a fan of fundraising. Um, so we fundraise, you know, you try to align your budget with your needs. You know, okay, this is what we need to do. So we need to put this in our next budget, you know, so that we can continue to progress and continue to move forward. So it's just a matter of being, you have to say, okay, this is what we need to do. And this well, is how, how we how need hard, to fund how, it. how hard is it to convince your higher-ups that, uh, we just two years ago, let's say we were talking about zip drives. I looked up; it came out in 1994. Uh-huh. Let's say you just uh-huh. told your upper. Let's say if you were in your position now in 1994, and you told your uh-huh. hey, you know, we had to spend a thousand dollars on the zip drive machine alone, and and well, I think it was about three hundred dollars. And then we need to buy these uh, zip cartridges, 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 and then uh-huh. by 2000, you said we we need to do it all over again. I mean, have the people well, that's above you, you been just, cool with that, or they've been like, "Dude, what you talking about?" Um, I think that in that situation, you just have to explain, and you just have to say, "Look, you know things go. You know, you have to upgrade every five to six years. That's just given now, <clears throat> especially as computers change, as technology updates. We just have to." If you wanted to continue, this is what we have to do. You know, you just have to, you know, kind of make them understand or help them to understand that there's certain things that you just have to do if you want things done. And if you don't do it, then it won't get done. And so we really, you know, we need your support and the funding to do this, you know. I'm not just coming to you to say, we need to spend this money just to spend money. I'm telling you this is a need that we have and that we need to fund. And if you can't fund it, then let's find ways to fund it because it's something that we need to do. So one of the things you've done, you've done fundraisers for a particular item. I have. I have. You, you have? Okay. I have. Yeah, like I've, I've done fundraisers. I've done, you know, I've reached out to people who I know would be interested in supporting certain projects and, you know, just, you know, just really trying to garner support from the shield, 
Because the what feels from the field or from the from the field from the field of support that we have out there. You know, like Howard. So there are many people around Howard who love the university, who care about its history. So I say, hey, I'm trying to do this. Would you support me in doing this? Oh yes, I think it's great. Okay, how can I help? Here's how you can help. Give me some money. (laughs) Give me some money. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes they'll go, okay, cool. And sometimes they may not. (laughs) I got you. So it's all like target marketing. You target you target a particular uh, fundraising project to preserve a particular project or a particular set set of data. As opposed to saying we need it for the library in general, you'll say well, we need it for this. We need to archive this particular material, and so can we get money to archive this? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, people like to support um, projects. They like to support specific things that they like. As opposed so to things in general, you have to. As opposed, yeah. as opposed to things in general. Yeah, yeah okay. as opposed to saying, you know, this institution needs support, support it. You know, sometimes they'll be more willing to support a specific project, even though, you know, the overall institution needs support. They'll right. support a specific project, which... So that, that makes sense because we do the is, same thing. You know, which is a good thing or a bad thing, it depending is. on it's how basic, you look at it. Because, it's basic marketing. You target your audience. yeah. Yeah. You target your audience and you figure out what projects and what their interests are, and, and that's what you pitch to them. Yeah. So which store devices are probably coming next? Well, the cloud is, of course, the next big thing. Uh, cloud storage, dark, archi- dark archives. Dark archives? Um, yeah, which is an archive that you don't access. You just put things in to store them, and you only access it if you absolutely. <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> because it protects the document. Because digital files erode too. As you open oh. them, as you copy them, as you touch them, they erode. They lose data bytes, and most people don't even. I don't, and I don't want to get too technical, but. <laughs> you know, over time, files degrade. Oh, it's sort of like a, like, so, walking the, sort of like walking on the floor. The more you walk on it, the more it really scuffs the floor up. Yeah, yeah. You yes, might not notice yes. it, but over time it does. Exactly. Then all of a sudden you look, you're like, hmm, <laughs> what happened here? You know, okay. so the same so, happens with uh, files. You're like, oh, let me copy these files. They're like, wait, I remember it was this size. Why is it smaller now? Oh, because it has what they call bit rot, where the file is basically rotting on your computer. It's like food you put in your refrigerator. You know, it lasts <laughs> only for so long. and It's sitting in the fridge. And it's good. And, good. and then one day you're ever. like, exactly, you're like, what, what happened here? And so, you know, you put it there for safekeeping just in case the one that you're accessing goes bad. You, of course, also have to watch that, you know. And so, you know, everything just requires watching. You know, digitization, people think, you know, they see the end result 
and it's searchable, and they're like, oh, wow, it's amazing. I can access this from anywhere in the world. And then, but they don't really realize that it's really almost super boring <laughs> to get it to that state. You know, you're sitting there pressing a button, enter, 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 30,000 times just to get it in a situation where you could put something online and then people see it and smile and go, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I think for a super, super tedious, it can be. Yeah, so in the last 90 seconds, so the two things you're looking at, the cloud and dark, what now? Um, oh, I was saying that you just have cloud. I would just say cloud uh, storage. Yeah. Is like and what's the other thing that called? people are going to be what, using. What's the other thing? It's called dark something, you said. Oh, it's, it's, that's something for, like, if you have, like, thousands of files. It's called a dark archive. So that's something you said, like you said, a professional you said dark archive. You said dark archive. Yeah, right? a dark archive. Yeah. Okay. That's something yeah, we, that a professional archive would have. So most, but most regular, regular, regular people would have a cloud storage. Right. But I would recommend also having a hard, two hard drives, a hard drive and a backup. Right. The backup and is then have a backup. Yeah, and then check your uh, hard drives for viability as well, because those go bad too. Oh, don't so I know that those. one? Don't <laughs> I know that one? So it's like it's <laughs> almost like the digital is more. You know, paper is probably one of the more storage mediums, even though people Real. don't. Um, yeah, even though people are down on paper, it's probably the most mm. stable of all the storage, quote unquote. Storage, uh, well, you know. <laughs> before we leave, the only thing I can yeah. say that uh, before we leave, one thing I say that's good about uh, about uh, when your hard drive goes bad. At least it's cheaper now to get things transferred from a bad hard drive to a new one. <laughs> it's cheaper than it used to yeah. be. <laughs> exactly. Very good. Which is good. good. All right. Well, Lopez, we want to end this conversation. Well, thank you so much. Uh, you want to end it out with a, with a thought? Oh, um, not really. <laughs> my only thought is my only thought is that I think that people need to, especially with their personal history and their family history, they really need to take an active role in preserving it, physically and digitally. Is an active role in doing what now? Preserving it physically and digitally. Oh, okay. So that gets into the whole field of genealogy and things of that nature. Yeah, just not even that, just your regular files, you know. Okay. Folks, pay attention. <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to pay attention to what we what you said today, and of course, people can go back and listen to it again if they wish, and listen to our past episodes at uh, porterholland.net. <laughs> 